athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You've got it locked to the Dopey Show on radio. I am your host, Donald Ware. This is how we're going to get things popping on today's show. Rest in peace to Coolio, passed away unexpectedly at the age of 59. Couldn't believe it. Today's program, a lot of, you know, a lot of talk. So so we're going to talk a little college football today here on the program. Sean Clark in his fourth season as the head football coach at Appalachian State going to join us today on the program. Going back a couple of weeks ago, App State had that big win over Texas A&M. Game day came out the following week. It, and then, you know, you remember the, the, the shootout when UNC uh, came up to Boone, North Carolina. And uh, so Troy defeated App State last week, but the Citadel comes into town. So App State 2-2 two and two on the season. Sean Clark. The head football coach going to join us on the program. You know I'm going to have my National Football League picks for you today. You know that is going down on the program. NBA camps have opened up. We didn't have a chance to really talk about the Odoka situation with the Boston Celtics. And, I mean, I just think really an unfortunate uh, situation uh, where he was – was you know clearly wrong and stated as much uh it's just messy right like man i mean it's just messy on so many different levels i mean it 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 was hot and heavy last week it sort of calmed down a a, a little bit although i mean you know he's out for the year suspended by the celtics for a year uh for having a relationship with uh, with a staff member of the Celtics. It was a no-no in the Celtics policy. He knew that. And I mean, listen, young coach had has his really still has his whole, you know, coaching career ahead of him. I mean, I'm I'm sure, you know, ultimately whether it's with the Celtics or someone else, he'll get a an, another opportunity. But I mean, why? I mean, I you know, like you you knew the rules whatever the situation was, right? Like I'm, you know, whatever. But you knew what the rule was going into the situation, and I mean that's just that's that just doesn't make any sense, and that's a very, very, very unfortunate. But uh, camps have opened up. Looks like the uh, Brooklyn Nets are willing to let bygones be bygones. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Steve Nash. I mean, it look you know we'll see, right? Like we'll see ultimately what happens. I think if those three are on like they're supposed to be, I mean you're looking at the Nets as definitely going to the the championship. Like Ben Simmons 
with his defense. If he if he's the a very similar Ben Simmons that we saw that was good last, not the one we saw missing layups and so forth, but the Ben Simmons we saw last that looked like he was pretty good. Couple that with Kyrie and KD. Um, I, I, I mean that that's a team that's going to make it to the NBA Finals as far as I'm concerned. I, I, especially with, I think it matters that. Yudoka is not the coach. I mean, I I really believe. I, I mean, I believe that really matters at this point. And listen, you know, I I, I the Celtics are definitely going to be good. They had an upgrade in in Brogdon. We'll see how that works out with with Marcus Smart and you know all of the you know can Jason Tatum really step it up and uh, and and be more consistent. We know he's a, he's got the ability to be a next level player. We know that. But the question is, can he be consistent? That is the question. So we'll ultimately see how that plays out as well. You can join us today here on the conversation. Hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row B O X T O R O W. So I, I want to go off. Let, let me let me bring this to your attention, okay? Rolling Stone magazine ranked the top 100 television shows of all time. All right, ranked the top 100 television shows of all time, and the number one show uh, was The Sopranos. Now, I mean, that's fine. Like, I, I, I think I need to watch The Sopranos. I mean, I, I never, I've watched it here and there, but I've never sat down and watch The Sopranos. So, I mean, I'm okay with that. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, I, you know, you know, we, we had this conversation. What back in the summer, I was talking about what I thought. Well, were not only great sitcoms, but my favorite sitcoms of all time, and I named a couple of those. And with this particular list, it wasn't about sitcoms as much as it was about TV shows of all time. So, I mean, you had like the Johnny Carson. Uh, his 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 daily show, the Tonight Show, right, which was absolutely phenomenal. I think where I was puzzled is that the Tonight Show was rated less than the, the Late Night with David Letterman. Okay, let me just kind of look at my list right here because I wrote a couple of these um, down. Okay, Johnny Carson was ninety one. The Johnny Carson Show was ninety one, but Late Night with David Letterman was. 44. I was really puzzled by that. Like, no, Johnny Carson's show, that's one of the, I mean, to me, that's probably the best. And, and again, I had to watch reruns. Like, I, I I mean, I didn't really watch the show, and I wasn't young enough when it was really in its heyday. But watching Johnny Carson, Johnny Carson was smooth, very very smooth. And we remember the, the you know, sort of the battle of who was going to take over the Tonight Show between Jay Letterman and David, I mean, uh, David Letterman and Jay Leno. Ultimately, it went to Jay Leno. David Letterman went off to CBS, who didn't have a, a late night show at the time. I think the last show that that CBS had at the time may have been Pat Sajak. Pat, Pat Sajak, the host of, of, um, of Will of Fortune, had a late night show, but I don't think CBS had one at the time. So he went there, and we know the rest is history. I still like Jay Leno better than I like David Letterman, but you certainly can't tell me that David Letterman is 44 and Johnny Carson is 91. That's one of the problems I had with this list. Um, I'm going to tell you the. I'm going to tell you another problem. 
There was no Sanford and Son on this list at all. There was no Cosby Show on this list at all. Now, how are you going to have a list with the top 100 greatest TV shows of all time and not have either one of those shows? Okay, I'm going to tell you two other shows that weren't on there. Um, The other two, the Andy Griffith Show was not on the list. And, oh, man, what is the show? Um, It's one other show that is kind of escaping me. Uh, Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke ran for 20 years. So popular. Man, I, 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 there are people, older people that watched. I mean, they, they, people I know that maybe a little bit older than me and older than me, when those reruns come on, kind of set what they do in a day based upon when Gunsmoke comes on. Gunsmoke hadn't come on, hadn't been on in almost 50, in, in terms of, an everyday show, the reruns have, but in terms of an everyday show in 50 years, right? Set their day by Gunsmoke. Okay, I'm going to plan my day around Gunsmoke. You mean to tell me, and that ran for 20 years, you mean to tell me that's not on the list? Uh, Listen, I put these kind of lists together and they're not easy, right? Like when I was able to put together the top 100 uh, HBC uh, NFL players that played at HBCUs of all time. It was difficult, very difficult. A lot of research went into that. A lot of people didn't like the list. Uh, some people were okay with it. It's fine. I mean, a lot of work goes into that, and it's oh, it, it's it's oh, it is open to conjecture. It is an opinion, uh, right? I think a lot of you know maybe it, it, the list that I did with USA Today maybe had a lot of the right names, maybe not in the best order according to some. I'm okay with that. But you can't tell me that Sanford and Son, Gunsmoke, Andy Griffith, the Andy Griffith show, and um and and also um uh the Cosby show should not be on this list. I'm just kind of looking at the list, you know, some of the ones that I wrote down, right? Johnny Carson at 91, The Wonder Years at 90, um The Carol Burnett show at 89, The Bob Newhart show at 86. Orange is the New Black at 85. Like some of these shows that are newer shows, like, I don't know. I never watch. I hear Orange is the New, is the new Black was a, is a really good show. Never really watched it. Sexy in the City was at 78. I think it should be in the top 100. No doubt the Jeffersons were at 77. Are you serious? That's That makes absolutely no sense. Um, you have, uh, just looking at some of these other shows here, Frasier at 75, The Honeymooners at 74, Betty the Vampire Slayer at 73 was like that. Really a good, a good show. Uh, good Times at 72. Like, what are we what are we doing here? What are we what what in the world is going on here? Now, one, I will agree. I don't know if it's top five, but they had The Wire, which is one of my favorite shows. And I think is a really good show is at number four. I, I, it, is is it is it number four? Is it is that a little bit too high for The Wire? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but I definitely think it should be top 20, certainly top 25. But anyway, this list by Rolling Stone, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, sort of really had me puzzled <laughs> a little bit. Uh, and let's do this. We're going to step aside and take a break. Again, Sean Clark, the head football coach at App State, going to join us on the program. My picks for week four of the National Football League. Also, still to come, So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we roll on. 
old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. The 2022 State Fair Classic, Grambling State versus Prairie View a and Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl inside the world's largest state fair. It's going down. Are you ready? One ticket gets you into the fair and the big game. What did you just say? Come early for the fair. Stay later for the game. One ticket. Also, also at 4 p.m. performing live on the Chevy Main Stage, Grammy Award winning Ashanti Live. Then, the Classic kicks off at a new time, 6 p.m. Watch two new head coaches battle it out for the first time. The battle gets bigger at halftime. The world-famed Tiger Marching Band takes on the Prairie View A&M Marching Store. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. Visit StateFairClassicFootball.com. Sponsored in part by City of Dallas. Dallas Sports Commission. McDonald's. Black and Positively Golden. Chevy. Cricket Wireless. And Methodist Hospital. BoxToRow.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the game of the week feature to interviews to the latest news in the world of HBCU sports. BoxToRow.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? BoxToRow.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams and weekly media coaches polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Box to Box to Box to We're back here on the program. So another winning week with respect to my picks went eight and seven last week. I mean, I'm not really gonna brag about it too much. I missed a couple uh, of picks uh you know I, I, I last week i took a chance i said okay if detroit's gonna take that next step it's gonna be this victory over the vikings was wrong there uh, but it was a couple of picks that i got i did get right i missed that cowboys and giants pick uh for sure but i said the jaguars would beat the chargers that happened i said the packers would beat the bucket the uh, buccaneers that happened i know a lot of people were picking the buccaneers i just looked at that game and said no, I think, uh, you know, again, you looked at the Packers last year, got blown out by the Saints last year, and then, of course, went on to have a really good regular season. And, yeah, lost the first game, didn't look good, but it's won two straight, and I just fi- I figured as much. Uh, Tom Brady's got a lot of injuries in terms of his offensive line, his wide receivers, and Green Bay's defense is solid. So, I mean, I definitely, I mean, that, that to me uh, was – you know, I'm not going to call it a, a no-brainer, but, I mean, I'm like, you know, hey, I mean, I definitely think that the Packers are going to beat the Buccaneers, and they did. So let's take a look at 
week four in the National Football League. So we've got that early game in London, the Vikings and the Saints. Boy, the Saints are sort of a disappointment uh, to this point. Um, and, I mean, I, I, I thought that the Saints would beat the Panthers last week. That didn't happen. The, I mean, that's a big win for the Panthers. I mean, because if you're the Panthers, you don't want to start the season. Nobody wants to start the season 0-3. But if you're them with some high expectations with, with Baker Mayfield coming in, Christian McCaffrey hopefully be as healthy as he possibly can, the defense pretty solid. I mean, there's some high expectations there. But the Saints just laid an egg. Meanwhile, the Vikings showed me something. Uh, they showed me a little bit of something. I mean, I, I, I think this is a, you know, it's a new culture uh, in Minnesota. You know, Kirk Cousins is a, is a, is a, is a good, I mean, he's a, he's a solid to good quarterback. He's got weapons. He's got a good running game. And in this game in London, I like the Vikings over the Saints. The Seahawks and the Lions. So the Seahawks, I mean, I thought the Seahawks could get a win uh, over the Falcons last week, it didn't happen. The Falcons aren't very good. Um, ever since the Seahawks won that game against the Broncos, like it hasn't been going well uh, for the Seahawks, maybe coming back down to earth. Meanwhile, even though, see, the Lions had that game, a 10-point lead over the Vikings in the fourth quarter, couldn't close it out. It's a team that doesn't, you know, know how to yet close out games uh, like that. Obviously beat, the commander's pretty good, went toe-to-toe with Philadelphia. But I think this is the time that the Lions are going to win this game. And I like the Lions over the Seahawks in the Detroit. The Steelers and the Jets. So, mm, the Steelers, I, man, this is going to be a tough season. Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. I mean, I think this is going to be a tough season for, uh, no doubt, for the Steelers. I mean, Mike Tomlin's record having won, have, having had a winning record every year as a head coach. I mean, that may be on the line, you know, legitimately uh, this year. I, but even with that being said, like I'm no way I'm not going to pick the Jets over the Steelers. So I'm going to pick the Steelers over the Jets in Pittsburgh, the Giants and the Bears. So the Giants let me down a little bit last week. I thought the Giants could beat the Cowboys. I mean, you know, no Dak Cooper Rush is doing his thing. It's a it's a legitimate defense, and the Giants hung, you know, kind of hung tough there. I, I thought they could win that game. The Bears aren't very good right now. Now this is sort of a to me it's sort of a trappish kind of game if you're the Giants because you're coming off a winnable game against the Cowboys, two and one on the season. You want to keep pace in that NFC East where Philadelphia is basically, I mean, running away with it, not in terms of record because, you know, you're 2-1 and one and the Eagles are 3-0, and oh, but in terms of the way that the Eagles are playing, they're running away with the division. You want to keep pace. Uh, you know, the Bears, uh, they're going to fight. I mean, I'm going to give them that much, but I definitely like the Giants over the Bears in Jersey. The Colts and the Titans, so I wouldn't make too much I don't know how much I'm going to make of the Colts beating the Chiefs last week. I mean, it was a good win, no question about it. I mean, I think that I think the Colts are going to crash back down to earth. I never saw it coming. The Colts were not only were the Colts an 0-2 team; they looked bad as an 0-2 team. Matt Ryan didn't look hasn't looked particularly good uh, either. It's a good defense there uh, in Indianapolis, no doubt. But the Titans showed me something with the win uh, last week. They've got some good players. And, you know, Mike Vrabel, 
Mike Vabral, Vabral, excuse me, is a good coach. And I'm definitely going with the Titans over the Colts in Indy. The Chargers and the Texans. So, you know, Steve Weich came on the show and, and, and all of the all everybody talked about how is talking about or before the season talked about how great the Chargers roster is and how great Herbert is right now I think Herbert's great but again like I've been saying I mean I realized he was a rookie two years ago last year Chargers didn't make the playoffs as a team that should have made the playoffs so I'm not ready to give all that hype to Herbert and all that hype to the Chargers and I was I, I, I just something about the Chargers didn't set right uh, with me and so I wasn't on the Chargers bandwagon and that's why I picked the Jaguars to win that game last week and the Jaguars actually destroyed the Chargers 38 to 10 you know the Texans are playing I mean I, I got to give them credit they're playing valiantly uh, I think if you're the Chargers you can't afford to ju- to drop to one and three on the season I don't think the Chargers will and I like the Chargers over the Texans in Houston the Browns and the Falcons so you know, the Falcons are playing. I mean, I, I got to give them a little bit more credit than what I thought they would have been coming into this season. I mean, that's not saying much currently. I Meanwhile, I look at the Browns. Jacoby Brissett has been solid. He's got a good running game. He's got, you know, we'll see what happens with Miles Garrett. You know, how effective he's going to be coming off that car accident earlier in the week. Uh, but it's a, it's a good defense, right? And it's a good running game. And Brissett is going to just take the keys and, going to steer the car right. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to make a lot of mistakes. I think that happens ultimately in this game. I like the Browns over the Falcons in Atlanta. The Commanders and the Cowboys. Man, you know, Cowboys are looking good. Defense is really good. Uh, the Commanders aren't looking good. I mean, that's just the bottom line. You got all that talent on the in the offensive side of the football seemingly with the wide receiver court and couldn't do anything last week against the Eagles, I will give the Eagles credit. But, I mean, if you're Washington, you've got to do something from an offensive perspective. And meanwhile, the the Washington offense still continues uh, to suffer. Um, I need Washington to show me something in this game. But I'm sorry. I cannot pick the commanders in this game. I'm going with the Cowboys over the commanders in – what Arlington, I guess, is where they play, but in Dallas. Uh, Jaguars and the Eagles. So this is an interesting one because I like the way that the, the Jaguars are playing. That said, I mean, I really like the Eagles. I think you look at the Eagles from a defensive perspective, they're really, really good. Uh, you look at a like, guy like a Javon Hargrave, who's really, really good, played at South Carolina State. You look at this offense and Jalen Hurts, who I thought was good. He's got receivers. He's got a running game. He's got an offensive line. Um, that defense as a whole is really, really good up front. Linebackers back in, all of that is good. Uh, you know, that said, I'm definitely, definitely going to go with the Eagles over the Jaguars in Philly. The Bills and the Ravens. Woo! Woo! Now, this is a football game right here. You got Lamar Allen. You got, I mean, you got Lamar Jackson. You've got Josh Allen, two of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. Man, I mean, Lamar Lamar Jackson's such a game changer. Uh, you know, he's 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 just playing unbelievably well. I was surprised. I mean, I got to be honest. I was surprised that the Bills took that L to Miami last week. Give Miami credit. Uh, however, 
I think the Bills bounce back. You know, I'm not. This is not a Ravens defense like we've generally seen in the past. Um, you know, I'm doing this on the fly. I, actually, you know what? Even even with that being said, um, I think the the Ravens find a way to win this game, and I'm actually going to go with the Ravens over the Bills in Baltimore. Cardinals and the Panthers, two not very good football teams. Uh, but the thing about the Cardinals, there were expectations there. Kyler Murray got the new contract, a lot of expectations. Um, and and really, the Cardinals are the ones really not living up to that expectation. I, you know, I liked what I saw from the Panthers a little bit last week. You know, in a lot of it with the offense, I mean, Baker Mayfield is just coming in. So he's got he's got to have some time to learn that offense. And I think this is the game he breaks out. I think Baker Mayfield is going to have a breakout game. And I'm going to pick the Panthers over the Cardinals in Charlotte, the Raiders and the Broncos. So the Raiders are 0-3, unbelievably so. Meanwhile, the Broncos are kind of struggling around. You know, I, I wasn't one who was on. I, I mean, I you know, I like Russell Wilson, but I wasn't on the bandwagon in terms of the Broncos and how great the Broncos were going to be this football season. And so far, I've been right about that. I mean, the Raiders aren't going to go to – I don't think the Raiders are going to go to 0-4. All the weapons that, you know, Derek Carr has offensively, I mean, I think the defense has, has suffered. But I'm definitely going to go with the Raiders over the Broncos in Las Vegas. The Patriots and the Packers – I think this is a down year for the Patriots. I think this may be a losing season for Bill Belichick and the Patriots. I mean, you know, Jones, he probably is going to be out for this game. He said don't rule him out, but he's probably going to be out for this football game. It's not a very good team, really. Uh, And I definitely like the Packers. The Packers are playing well. I like the Packers over the Patriots in Green Bay. The Chiefs and the Buccaneers. So this is a good one. Sunday night football um, Patrick Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. You know, the question is, can the Chiefs bounce back? And also, can the Buccaneers bounce back? Who would have thought that these two teams would have losses coming into this game playing against, well, especially the, the, the Chiefs playing against a lesser opponent? Um, You know, oh, man, this is a tough game to pick. The Buccaneers' defense is good. For that reason, I'm going to pick the Buccaneers over the Chiefs in Tampa. Finally, 49ers and Rams Monday night football. Man, Rams just aren't, I just don't like the makeup of the Rams right now, right? 49ers, I don't like their makeup either with Jimmy G. Um, You know, this is a rematch of last year's NFC Championship game, and I'm going to take the Rams over the 49ers, uh, not in San Francisco, wherever they wherever they play out in with Santa Clara, I think it is. Your thoughts, hit me up on Twitter, at Box to Row. Up next, Sean Clark, the head football coach at App State, joins us. You've got it. It's the weekly edition of the Box to Row Blitz. I'm Donald Ware. First, I'm going to take you to Bluefield, West Virginia, for the game between Bluefield State and Fort Valley State. We're going to pick things up late in the first half with Fort Valley State having the 20-14 to 14 lead and Bluefield State driving. Light blitz coming now. Friedland rolls to his left, asking for someone to come back. At the goal line, has a man dragging. Catch man. Did he haul it in? Yes, sir. Touchdown State. Kion Smith hauls that one in from Friedland from 19 yards out. And the 
Big Blue or a PAT away from retaking the lead. Big Blue got the extra point lead, 21 to 20 at halftime. Let's move to early in the third quarter. Fort Valley State had already regained the lead at 23 to 21, had possession of the football and looking for more. Wilson trying to bounce the corner, finds the corner, reaches the football out, touchdown Wildcats. Zach Helton on the Bluefield State Sports Radio Network. Emmanuel Wilson with the three yard touchdown, put the Wildcats ahead 30 to 21. They would go on to defeat Bluefield State 44 to 27. So Fort Valley State now enters the HBCU media poll while it remains at number four in the HBCU Division II coaches poll powered by Box to Row. Now, let me take you to Greensboro, North Carolina for the HBCU National Game of the Week between North Carolina A&T and South Carolina State. We're gonna pick things up in the first quarter with no score and the Bulldogs driving. Pressure from Fields. He throws and is caught in the end zone for a South Carolina State touchdown. Rakeem White's got it. And the Bulldogs quickly off to a hot start. The Bulldogs took the seven to nothing lead, but the Aggies would answer late in the first quarter. Tootin is next to Fowler in the backfield, and the snap will go straight to Tootin. He's got some open space. He'll juke his way into the end zone for an Aggies touchdown! And the Aggies tied the game at seven apiece. South Carolina State would regain the lead on a Richard Bailey 10-yard touchdown reception from Corey Fields. The extra point was no good, but the Bulldogs led 13-7. Now, we know Bayshaw Tootin already had two touchdowns. We pick things up early in the third quarter. Aggies with possession. In the charge, here's Bashul Tootin. First offensive play in the second half for the Aggies is gonna be a touchdown. Bashul Tootin with the need for speed. Six points for A&T. Wendell Epps holding it down for me on the Aggie Sports Radio Network. Third touchdown for Bayshaw Tootin. Put the Aggies ahead at that time, 24 to 13. The Aggies would go on to defeat the defending HBCU National Champion South Carolina Bulldogs, 41 to 27. Real quick to Montgomery, Alabama for the game between Alabama State and Prairie View A&M. We're gonna pick things up in the fourth quarter with Alabama State trailing 17 to nine with possession. Davis, shotgun in the backfield, Howell. Howell to the two. Howell sticks the ball across the plane. Is he in? He is. Hornets on the board with a touchdown. The two-point conversion failed, and Prairie View A&M trailed 17 to 15. Late now in the fourth quarter with the score still 17 to 15. Prairie View A&M with possession. Free rusher up the middle, pass complete, and it's a touchdown. Prairie View A&M, Chris Heron. That audio courtesy of WVAS in Montgomery from Trazon Connolly for 20 yards. And Prairie View A&M went on to defeat Alabama State 24 to 15. Box to Row, the radio show, airs weekly on radio stations across the country, as well as Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific, on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM Channel 84, and Saturdays, 9 a.m. Eastern, 
6 a.m. Pacific on Sirius XM, channel 142, HBCU. To listen to the show or for the HBCU polls as well as the school board, stories, podcasts, conversations, and more, log on to our website at boxtorow.com. Let's continue here on the program. We're joined by a gentleman really in his fourth season as the head football coach at App State. The Mountaineers 2-2 two and two on the season. A home tilt on Saturday as App State will play against Citadel. Sean Clark, the head football coach at App State, joins us here on the program. We appreciate your time. Coach Clark, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you having me on and talk a little App State football. Absolutely. Glad to do it. And, and I really look at App State and you know, a lot of people talk about going back to the big win uh, over Michigan and, and so forth. And we're really where the program has grown now in FBS and the Sun Belt. But I want to start here. Your thoughts on uh, where your team is two and two, four games through the season. Well, we're not happy where we are. Again, we expect every single game we play. But, you know, we've had a tough four-game stretch here, a lot of emotional emotional games. And, you know, we're, we're uh, seven points from being 4-0 and or – we're zero and four, so uh, two and two is right in the middle. So again, I, I got a lot of faith in our program, a lot of faith in our players. Um, we had a battle, had a tough loss this past Saturday against James Madison, but you know that's that's college football now. We're playing in a tough conference, and and every every weekend is the biggest game of the year, and that's no different this year. We bring the Citadel in this week and try to bounce back from a tough loss this past weekend. Yeah, what about that game? And you're right, it was a tough loss, and really James Madison's in a you know, sort of a similar situation to where App State was a couple of years ago, making the transition now uh, to the FBS uh, level. What 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 happened? What, what are some of the things that uh, you didn't like in that football game that caused you guys not to come out on on the right end of that game? Well, you know, we started off strong. We're up 28-3 in the second quarter, and then we had a low in offense and defense. And it's kind of like our, our season right now. If you look at our, our team as a whole, on defense, we're not playing well in the second quarter, and on offense, we're not playing well in the third quarter. And that's that's the middle part of the game, which we call the middle eight. And you know, and the games we won the middle eight, we we won the game. And the games we've lost, we we've lost the game. So uh, we went back as a staff and kind of looked at it and what we have to do better as a as a program and as coaches and players, and to really build upon that. And um, again. You, know, you have a chance to win, have a chance to uh, you know, really put the, the foot on the throttle there, and we didn't do that. And that's disappointing, you know, starting from the head football coach down to our players. And, but, again, I have full confidence in our players and our coaches make sure we get this thing turned around and have a successful season. Can I take you back? I know, I know, I know you're looking forward and you got Citadel, but, man, I, I was so excited, you know, for the weekend when you talk about that Labor Day weekend because you were talking about some really big games in our state. So it was you and UNC. It was NC State and East Carolina's A&T and Central. And you came up, unfortunately, on the wrong end of that game against UNC. But what an exciting football game. Your team showed resiliency. Can you speak to that? And even though you came up on the, the short end of the stick in that game, I mean, it must have just been a great football game to be a part of. A great atmosphere. It was the largest crowd in the history of our program. And um, you know, I think it's great for college football. It's great for our state. And I've been a big proponent of this all all the time since I've been here. That you know these non conference games. Why wouldn't we play in state schools? Um, I mean, it's great for the athletic department. The fan bases love it. You know, all these schools talking about NC State, talking about A and T, and talking about Appalachian State. Our fan base will travel, and you can keep this money here in state and. 
that's what college football should be about as large crowds, great rivalries, great games. And, and I hope we all play going in the future. I hope we play these games on a year end basis. I mean, I think we should play Elon. We should play Duke. We should play Wake Forest, NC state, Carolina, East Carolina. And I think our athletic director, Doug Gillen, has done a fantastic job of getting that lined up. We, you know, we signed a three game series with East Carolina. Uh, we signed a three games uh, series with North Carolina and, and we have a game with, with NC state coming up. So, they're great. It's great for college football. It's great for our state, and it's great for recruiting. Sean Clark is the head football coach at App State. Joins us here on the program, really in his fourth season. When you go back to him coaching the bowl game in 2019, so the big win. You know, everybody was talking about it a couple of weeks ago. Again, I, I realize we, we, you know, you, you look into the future, but but I gotta ask, big win over Texas A&M. Your thoughts on the way your team played in that game? It was a great win for our program, and it, some will say it's the second uh, biggest win ever in the history of our program, going back to Michigan and A&M. But, you know, if you talk about the way college football has changed and the way with NIL deals and the transfer portal, it was a huge win for our program. So I'm very proud of as the head football coach here at App State, and our players are excited. You know, they, they wanted to put their own mark on the program, and everyone talks about the Michigan game. And, um, but for our players, our seniors, to be able to have that signature win, it was huge. And on top of that, we, we bring College Game Day in the following weekend. And that's the first time ever in the history of our program College Game Day has been here. And we've done a lot of firsts here. We've won national championships. We've undefeated season and bowl games. Um, but to have College Game Day here because of that win was big. It was big for our community, big for the town. Um, there were not, roughly nine to 10,000 people at College Game Day. It was, it was electric here in Boone, North Carolina that weekend. And then to go out and win the football game in such dramatic fashion, I mean, it was the, you know, it was the, the cherry on top, if you will. I wish we win um, by more points than that, and it wasn't so dramatic. But uh, we'll take a win any way we can get it. If it's by one or by 100, we'll take that win and move on to the next week. And our goal is always to be 1-0 the following week, and that's no different this week versus Citadel. Sean Clark, the head football coach at App State, joins us here on the program Again, you you know your your move to FBS is is relative. I mean, relatively speaking, it's it's new, and and the Sun Belt has done a tremendous job, you know, over that time, and in and specifically this year, some really really big wins by Sun Belt schools. Uh, just your thoughts on the level of play in the Sun Belt and some of the really big wins that teams from the Sun Belt have had so far this season. Well, our conference, it, it was tough when I came here in 2016 as an assistant coach. It was a tough conference. And um, through our commissioner, Commissioner Gill, and, and Doug Gill, and our AD, you know, he was really the, the the guy behind all this stuff, Doug was. And, you know, it's it's week in and week out. These these games are going to get tougher and tougher to play. And what I like about it is the regional rivalries, the like-minded institutions that, that put football and athletics uh, the front the front doorstep of their university. And, you know, our fans can travel to any away game on the east side within four hours, four to five hours, and, and that's big. I mean, we're not jumping on airplanes. We're, we're taking buses. Uh, our fans are traveling. We have sold-out stadiums. And if you look back to the second week of the season, Marshall beats um, uh, Notre Dame. We beat A&M. Georgia Southern goes to Nebraska and beats Nebraska. And that's what you're going to see more in, more year in and year out in this, in this conference. And uh, hopefully if, if we do our, our job and – and that one, one, one team from our our conference will get that automatic bid to the uh, New Year's Day New Year's Day game. So I'm excited about it. You know, it, it's tough, but um, we're excited for the challenge. I know all that nation's ready to, to get started. As mentioned, the Citadel comes in. Your thoughts 
on the Citadel, maybe some concerns you have about the Citadel. Well, anytime you play a triple option football team, that's tough, and especially coming off, we have a week to prepare for them. So uh, their scheme makes it a challenge. Their kids play hard. They're, they're, they've always played hard. I, when I played here in the Southern Conference from 94 to 98, that was always a big game. And, um, you know, we have a workout for us, and we have some, some weather coming in and uh, some torrential downpours and heavy winds. So it's going to be a challenge. But uh, I know our kids are ready to get started to get on and move on from last week and get this nasty taste out of our mouths. Yeah, and for you as an alum, right, as as now the head coach, and you mentioned coming back in 16 as an assistant, took over the last game of the season, 2019, a bowl game, won that. What does it mean to you to be an alum and to be the head football coach at your alma mater? It means everything. Uh, you know, I put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears as a player here. You come back as an assistant coach, and um, now you're the head football coach, and um, you know, we have a very passionate fan base, and you put that. I know, I, I know everyone. I know the boosters. I know the, the former players. I know the fans. And you know, people say that's pressure, but with pressure, there's expectations, and the expectations to win and to win championships. And but I, I like that challenge. Again, whenever you put your your life into something, you want to be successful, and, and that's what we're doing here. I mean, when you when you live App State football 24 hours a day, seven days a week for all year long, that that you want it to be successful. So. Um, I wouldn't say there's pressure, but there's a lot of expectations and ones that I look for that challenge week in and week out. Last thought, the, your thoughts on the way your quarterback Chase Bryce is playing, what, 13 touchdowns to just two interceptions this year, completing uh, right around 62% of his passes. Well, I'm really impressed with Chase, the way he's came in. And you know, this is Chase's second offensive coordinator. I've been the head coach here three years, full seasons. And I've had three offensive coordinators. And just to watch Chase come through and just his maturity, he's an older kid and and he's been through it before. He's had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And probably the biggest credit I can give Chase is uh, he, he's he's where his feet are. And he's invested in our program. He's invested in the younger players. And just his leadership level, the way he he, ta- he handles his business. And, you know, he's really uh, taking what the defense gives him. And uh, I expect a lot of things from Chase. And, and the best is yet to come this year for Chase Bryce. Sean Clark, again, in his fourth season as the head football coach at App State, joins us here. On the program, the Mountaineers are at home on Saturday hosting the Citadel. Coach Clark, appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Mountaineers. Thank you so much. Look forward to to seeing you in person one day, and thanks for letting me talk about App State football. App State head football coach Sean Clark joining us on the program, and a lot of people are going to remember the App State-Michigan upset back in 2007, and as a matter of fact, it began – that game began where App State won three straight 1AA or FCS national championships, 07, 08, 09. I mean, they, I mean, that was a real, I mean, that was a huge win, but that, I mean, not, but, I mean, that, that win against Texas A&M was big. I mean, I don't think it was as big, you know, it did, didn't mean as much. Uh, but nonetheless, I think App State's on the right track and an opportunity for a Sunbelt Conference championship. I mean, two of the battles, you know, that really stick out in my mind the last couple of years are Coastal Carolina and uh, and App State playing against each other. And, you know, maybe we'll see where the Sunbelt Conference, because you're talking about some big wins by Sunbelt Conference teams this year, where the Sunbelt can kind of take that next, or is beginning to, if not already, is taking that next step like, sort of like an AAC conference going back a couple of years ago when Houston and others 
we're really, really good so we can start to get some kind of parity. I mean, I think I think you're going to see, you know, the Sun Belt really kind of come up and start winning some of these games. You're going to see a lot of these bigger schools maybe not so uh, in a rush, if you will, to play uh, Sun Belt Conference opponents. So, you know, on in this program, we love to see, you know, a, a Sun Belt team beat a big opponent, and that's certainly what App State did. More of this program on the other side. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Salt Box, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. The 2022 State Fair Classic. Grambling State versus Prairie View A&M. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl inside the world's largest state fair. It's going down. Are you ready? One ticket gets you into the fair and the big game. What did you just say? Come early for the fair. Stay later for the game. One ticket. Also. also. At 4 p.m. performing live on the Chevy Main Stage. Grammy Award winning. Ashanti. Live. Then. Then. The Classic kicks off at a new time. 6 p.m. Watch two new head coaches battle it out for the first time. The battle gets bigger at halftime. When the world-famed Tiger Marching Band takes on the Prairie View A&M Marching Store. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. Visit StateFairClassicFootball.com. Sponsored in part by City of Dallas. Dallas Sports Commission. McDonald's. Black and Positively Golden. Chevy. Cricket Wireless. And Methodist Hospital. BoxToRow.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the Game of the Week feature to interviews to the latest news in the world of HBCU sports, BoxToRow.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? BoxToRow.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams and weekly media coaches polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. Welcome back to Box to Row. You want to participate here on the conversation? Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. We're going to look at some HBCU football. As a matter of fact, going to look at the HBCU National Game of the Week. A couple of games we could have picked from. You could have looked at the State Fair Classic between Prairie View A&M and and Grambling, I think Grambling's sliding a little bit right now, not playing some good football, and Prairie View A&M is beginning to get its footing. But I think the game that leaves no doubt between two undefeated teams that are playing very well in Benedict and Fort Valley State. And let, let's look at this matchup. I think this is a very interesting matchup. I think it could go 
uh, either way. And I'm going to share my thoughts on the matchup. So when I look at both teams are 4-0, when I look at Benedict's offense, it's a solid running game. They're going to run the football. They're going to be able to do it somewhat effectively at about 160 uh, 76 and a half yards rushing per game led by Noah Zaire Scotland who has 313 yards through four games he's averaging 5.1 yards per carry he's got three touchdowns so he's the leading rusher of a team that definitely can run the football there's no doubt about it Chenis uh, Chenis the head football coach he uses sort of a two quarterback system his primary quarterback is Eric Phoenix, but John Lampley, they both have gotten a lot of time as a as a collective. They are completing 58% of, it, of their passes. But check this out. Nine touchdowns to zero interceptions on the season. Not a single interception between the two quarterbacks. And they're passing for about 217.3 yards per game. So it's not shabby. Got a couple of wide receivers. Um, as a matter of fact, they got one that can go and get it deep. One that's uh, more of a guy that's a little bit, I'm not going to call him a possession receiver, but he's your go-to guy, right? Nathan Harden, six receptions, 212 yards, a touchdown. He's averaging in excess of 35 yards per reception then you look at Jaden Thomas 10 receptions 124 yards he's got one touchdown but what I like about Phoenix and Lampley in terms of what they do yeah those may be the guys that are getting the the bulk of the receptions um and and are doing the most I shouldn't even say the bulk of the receptions doing the most damage but eight different receivers for Benedict have caught at least five receptions this year that's pretty good so it shows that Lampley and Phoenix are are, 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 are two quarterbacks that are going to be able to distribute the ball they don't lock in on just one receiver I mean yeah you could look at Harden as being kind of that deep threat and Thomas as being the main guy because he leads the team in receptions but but eight other receiver or six other receivers have caught at least five balls this season when I look at Fort Valley State's defense, okay, um, it's it, listen, it's a it's a rush defense. Now, if you think you're going to try to run the football against Fort Valley State, look to its 76.8 yards rushing per game. Okay, that is really really good. That's all that that defense is giving up. Okay, the pass defense is another conversation. I mean, the pass defense has given up 200 yards of, of passing yards per game. That's a lot, especially for a team that averages close to 220 yards passing uh, per game. But it's a good, I think it's a good run balance, I think, with Benedict's offense, uh, quite frankly. But, I mean, that passing game is good, 217 yards passing per game. The other thing about the Fort Valley State defense, only one interception on the season just one interception now nine sacks as a unit through four games that's not bad you can see that that Wildcats defense is putting some pressure on the quarterback the defense is led by Jalen Brown's got 27 tackles four of those tackles are for loss and then Tim Olderman who has 17 tackles six and a half tackles for loss he also uh, puts pressure in himself on the quarterback he's got four sacks on the season Okay, now, having looked at Fort Valley State's defense, previous to that, having looked at Benedict's offense, let's take a look at Fort Valley State's offense. 
Fort Valley State wants to run the football, and they've got a really good running back in Emmanuel Wilson. Emmanuel Wilson is one of the best running backs in the country. The, the kid can play. Going back a couple of years ago to Johnson C. Smith, had a good season last year. This kid is a dynamic running back. <clears throat> and you know <clears throat> that Fort Valley State wants to run the football because in terms of run-to-pass ratio, it's 3-1. to one. So you know Fort Valley State wants to run the football in the form of, of Emmanuel Wilson. 136 yards rushing per game. He's got five touchdowns. He's averaging 6.3 yards per carry. The quarterback is Kelvin Durham. 54% of his passes, 59%, excuse me, of his passes completed. 770 yards. He's got four touchdowns on the season. He also has not thrown an interception, but he's the only he's the only quarterback that has gotten reps so far this season. Durham's got a couple of guys to throw the football to. Corin Edmonds and Fraylon Warren both are deep threats. So these guys both can stretch your field, okay? When I look on the other side, that was Fort Valley State's offense. Let's look at Benedict's defense. Giving up 151 yards rushing per game, okay, which which is a lot of yards, right? But only 52 and a half yards passing per game. So Fort Valley State, I mean, Benedict, you're not going to run the football against them that or, or uh, pass the football against them as much. But again, the the difference there is Fort Valley State is more of a running offense anyway behind Emmanuel Wilson. So that may be a bit of a, of a wash. The other thing is this. When you look at Benedict's defense, teams are only converting 27% of their third down versions and only one of five on the season when you're talking about fourth down conversions. This is a defense that's opportunistic. 31 and a half tackles for loss this season. 11 sacks on the season and three interceptions. So it's a defense that really gets it done as a whole. Maybe not great in the running game. But I mean, then again, you know, it's got a shutout this year, right? It, it, it's not giving up a lot of points per game. Only seven points given up. You know, I mean, it, it, it's a team that is not giving up a lot of points. Um, you know, you look at a Lou Best uh, Dentalist. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. 14 tackle, tackles, six and a half tackles for loss. Got five sacks on the season. He puts pressure on the quarterback. It's part, in part why teams aren't able to have a lot of success in terms of passing the football against Benedict's defense. Uh, Benedict's defense. John Hannibal, 25 tackles, leads the team. He's got three tackles for loss on the season. These are this is where I have some concerns about Fort Valley State. A, Fort Valley State averages 10 penalties per game for in excess of 100 yards per game. That's an issue. The other issue, uh Fort Valley State's only only converted on one of four field goals so far this season. So if this is a close game and it's going to come down to the kicking game I mean, the, the, so far, Fort Valley State just hasn't gotten it done in the kicking game. Meanwhile, you look at Benedict. Benedict is five of six on field goals so far uh, this year. Benedict also shut out Lane, 14 to nothing. Think about that. Now, let's think about this Lane team that went toe-to-toe with Arkansas Pine Bluff to start the season, scored 42 points. They shut Lane out. When the, the common opponent between Benedict and Fort Valley State is Kentucky State, I think Fort Valley State won its game. Well, Fort Valley State won its game like nine to seven 
and uh, and and Benedict beat Kentucky State like I don't thirty-eight to fourteen or something like that. Benedict also handled Savannah State as well. So to me, where Fort Valley State has the advantage is in the running game, and also it's homecoming in Fort Valley. So that's a bit of an advantage. You're going to have the crowd behind you. But I mean, I would think, you know, I would, you know, it's not terribly far from ben- from uh, Columbia to uh, Fort Valley, Georgia. I don't think it's terribly far. You may have a bit of a crowd there with respect to Benedict, particularly that Benedict is playing well. That said, you know, I like the way Benedict has played overall. I think Fort Valley State has gotten more of the hype. For this season, they both deserve the hype. They're both 4-0. But I think Benedict is the better football team. And I think ultimately, Benedict wins this matchup over Fort Valley State. Your thoughts, you can hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Listen to everyone in the path of Hurricane Ian. Please be safe. Take cover if you have evacuation uh, orders please do that we want uh, we damage that's done can be cleaned up but lives that are lost obviously are lost so please please if you're in the path and you've been asked to evacuate etc please in fact do so before i get ready to run here on box to row want to remind you about the HBCU Division II coaches poll powered by Box to Row, where Virginia Union is the number one team followed by Albany State. And uh, you can view that that poll in its entirety on our website at BoxToRow.com. As a matter of fact, you can also view the HBCU coaches and media polls as well. The scoreboard for week five is up also. If you missed last weekend's a conversation with Jamie Gillen, the punter of the New York Giants. That is up there on our website as well. The HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Guys, got to check that out. And then what you got to do is you got to tell a couple of people about the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. I mean, we're talking HBCU football Monday through Friday. We're talking matchups. We're giving takeaways. We're talking players of the week. As a matter of fact... Jarvian Howard, the running back from Alcorn State, had 295 yards rushing and four touchdowns in Alcorn State's victory. Then also, Isaiah Freeman, true freshman quarterback from Lincoln of Pennsylvania, the other HBCU National Player of the Week in helping to lead the Lions to their 29-28 victory over Johnson C. Smith. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Sean Clark, the head football coach at App State, for joining us today on the program. For more information, again, on box to row log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support. Yo, box to row is produced by DW Communications.